You've been lied to, but you don't know how. You've searched, you've struggled, you've cried out. You want the truth, but where is it? You've wandered, you've fought, you've strived, and you have not been satisfied. What is truth? Where is truth? Who is truth? The kingdom of God, mind control, the last days, higher dimensions, unity, the power of faith, discovering the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. God has promised that he will hide us under his feathers and under his wings we will trust. His truth shall be our shield and our buckler. Discovering the Truth with Dan Devon is the premier program that is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is designed to show you how to become more than you have ever imagined through the power of truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And now, prepare for your host, Dan Duvall. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. This program is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is a production of Bride Ministries, and you can find us at www.bridemovement.com and, of course, at www.thefireplacechurch.org. And thefireplacechurch.org, folks, we meet every Friday and Sunday night. At 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, where you will have worship, you will have teaching, and then you will have the opportunity to join in on live internet-based moderated discussion groups. Now, we are in the holiday season. Not all of you celebrate holidays in this season, and that's okay. Some of you do um, at Bride Ministries. That's okay. And so, in light of all of the travel, all of the family events that are anticipated to occur, the Fireplace Church will not be happening the weekend of the 25th. Um, We will actually be uh, taking that weekend off, and so our next service after this week will be uh, the weekend of New Year's. And, you know, no better way to bring in the new year than with a celebration of Jesus. And so, folks, I did want to make that little announcement. And also, there's a lot of exciting stuff coming up at Bride Ministries going into 2017. First of all, we're going to be having the next round of discipleship courses. A lot of you regularly ask, when's the next round of discipleship? Because either you couldn't participate in the current round of discipleship, or you're so excited about what you've learned and gleaned and grown with, that you can't wait for the next round to take a different class. Well, the the next round of discipleship will be starting in January, and there will be an email going out about that soon enough. It'll begin the week of the 23rd of January, and then it will go eight weeks like usual. Uh, we'll be introducing some new teachers, and so I'm just really excited about this next round of discipleship. We'll also be having more class offerings. We actually plan 
to uh, make some of the classes available more than once during the week. And so look forward to that. Look forward to some flexibility. As we grow, we're able to do more, offer more, uh, create more flexibility. It's just really cool. And so um, that, that is coming up. Also, what's coming up is uh, the Mysteries of the Human Spirit Conference. And that's going to be with me and Dr. Rob Ruckert. And we'll be doing that conference um, the weekend before class start on the 21st and 22nd. We'll be talking about a little bit more later on in this program. But you look forward to that. Guys, there's a lot of you out there that have a lot of questions about the human spirit. You want ministry to the human spirit. You want to know how to get your human spirit empowered and engaged in your life and ministry. And you should because that, that is a key that unlocks more than we can imagine. And folks, we're just beginning to uh, dust the surface on this thing that, that has just totally not been communicated in the body of Christ. And um, I'll tell you what, this upcoming conference is going to be a huge springboard. Many of you will hear things you've never heard before. You're going to learn things that you've been waiting to learn um, maybe for years. And so that is coming up. And for those of you that are on our email list, you'll be getting an email about it real soon. It will be open to everybody, not just discipleship graduates. So look forward to that. As for those of you that are discipleship graduates, you all had an opportunity to sign up for the conference this weekend, Advanced Spiritual Warfare Number two. Now, in Advanced Spiritual Warfare, number one, we talked about how to engage heavenly powers and also uh, realms. We talked all at, at length about realms and, and how this can be used in warfare and um, even further beyond that, just really cool stuff. So we, uh, we, we call it Class Advanced Spiritual Warfare because this is not your typical spiritual warfare stuff. Well, we have advanced spiritual warfare number two because apparently number one wasn't enough. So in this round, you're going to learn how to uh, separate from reptilian genetics, draconian genetics. You're going to get instruction on how to get free from human persecutors. Uh, you're going to learn uh, timeline correction and how that's ministered as well as a whole horde of spiritual weapons. I'm going to give them out. And so it's going to be a really, really exciting conference, uh, eight, eight hours this Saturday. And so if you have been to one of our discipleship courses and have not signed up, this is your last chance. Uh, you have like two days and then that's it. We're going to have the conference and then it'll be over. Daniel, will you be doing this conference again? Yep. We'll do it again at some point next year and, and we'll probably be doing a couple offerings per year. As, as these conferences are developed, I'll tell you what, the information is just um, really relevant to, to many of you. And, and so we're going to be repeating these conferences and the material and uh, we'll also be continuing to repeat Advanced Spiritual Warfare number one. And so uh, there's a lot to look forward to. We, we are planning to hit the ground running in 2017 at Bride Ministries. Of course, we've been talking a lot about the DID coaching school. And um, I really think that we're going to be able to have some semblance of a launch in 2017 of this highly anticipated ad agenda. It's going to be big. It's going to be a big project. We would like to begin putting away some money for it. But... Uh, you know, as it stands, we are, you know, just moving the ministry along and staying uh, abreast of our current commitments. And um, so if you're thinking about where to invest capital to, to, to move kingdom agenda forward, I'll tell you what, we're sitting here waiting for it at Bride Ministries. And we have a lot that we want to do. Um, <laughs> a lot more survivors. We want to help folks. This is like, 50 individuals on our DID waiting list. I haven't been able to take anyone off the waiting list for some time now because we've, well, 
we've been maintaining our current commitments and we when we commit to supporting individuals we stick with them and it's an ongoing investment uh, if we are raising uh, three thousand um, dollars we only have three thousand dollars to spend and we continue to spend that on the survivors we have committed to help until our budget expands we cannot add individuals to our uh, underwriting so anyway um, Thank you for those of you that have supported us and continue to support us. We couldn't do what we're doing without you. Um, we're just so excited to see what the Lord has done. We anticipate such great things for 2017. And to support us, you can simply go to www.bridemovement.com or www.thefireplacechurch.org. It all goes to the same place, Bride Ministries. And, of course, you can write to us at P.O. Box 362, Nash, Texas, 75569. Now, we're going to be getting into it today on our first, uh, what I'm calling a mailbag program. We're going to be answering questions that come into our inbox. Let me tell you something. These are some questions, folks. You guys have some real heavy-duty questions. And so, what better content to talk about than that? Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with it. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall, and we have a very interesting program for you today because we're going to be launching a new type of program on Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. I'm calling it Mailbag Program. And the thing is, a lot of people have done this before where they say, you know, we get all these emails, all this stuff coming in, can't respond to all of it, and so we're just going to do a program and answer questions live on the air that have come in. To our inbox. Now, at Bride Ministries, we get a ton of emails, like all the time, things coming in. And I'll tell you what, we get some very, very interesting questions, unique stuff, stuff that is just, I mean, even I'll be reading it like, wow, where did this come from? So where better to talk about it than on this program? And in order to do that, I've actually brought some help. I have brought Nikki our executive assistant at Bride Ministries on the program, as well as Dr. Rob Rucker. And the way this is going to work in this program is that Nikki's actually going to be interviewing us. And I'm going to give all the hard questions to Rob, and I'm going to take all the easy ones. So I look smart. No, I'm just kidding. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's all, I got that doctorate. It's all that they teach you in seminary, all this 
crazy stuff? No. <laughs> no. So, so, folks, we're just going to have a good time with some of this stuff. I, I'm going to just say this at the front end. Uh, Nikki is amazing. Uh, we are so grateful to God for her, for her story and testimony. She is a survivor herself. And um, man has her story, at least the pieces of it that she's shared, brought so much clarity and hope and encouragement to a lot of you, our listeners, and, and Rob, the same, also a survivor and an overcomer and a minister extraordinaire. I respect both of these individuals greatly. And um, as we get into some of these questions, just understand, folks, we don't have all the answers. Rob, I, you know, we, we are learning just like everybody else. So expect that we're going to give you what we can and kind of some of these questions we may have nothing to say on. I, have, I don't even know all the questions that Nikki is going to be asking us because her and Sally, uh, both employees of Bride, field many of the emails that come in. I, I don't see most of them personally. So this is going to be a lot of, uh, you know, different kind of stuff for me, too. And I expect to be taken off guard by some of this, which is OK. Knowing that we are going to be doing this, you guys can keep this in mind. There will be more mailbag programs in the future, and uh, I will be bringing different people on to get interviewed with me to answer mailbag questions and bring different points of view in and stuff. So this is actually going to be something we're going to be adding going into 2017. I think it's going to be really cool. Anyway, with that said, Nikki, I'm going to turn the reins over to you. You are now the interviewer, and uh, (laughs) we're going to have a good time. <clears throat> okay, hi Daniel. Hi Rob. <laughs> hi Nikki. Hello. All right, guys. So I am super excited about this actually because I get a ton of emails all the time. Um, some of them I'm able to address. Some of them I have to forward to Daniel's um, inbox. And frankly, he's just so busy that a lot of times, you know, we're just not able to get a response on some of these types of questions. So I'm really glad that <clears throat> both of you are here. Um, because uh, this will help a lot of folks. So um, the first one, I'm just going to kind of take it from the top. Um, People ask, what is it with the flat earth? Because there are some folks out there that believe in a flat earth and some that don't. So what are your guys' views on that? That, That's you, Rob. I mean, that's That's me. (laughs) Yes, you first, brother. Well, I thought the Earth was square, actually. You know, <laughs> you ever heard the? I'm part of the, the square Earth group. The square Earth theory. Just, just kidding. You know, I I really uh, don't know a lot about it, but you know, I, I've seen uh, some things flying around the internet, and <laughs> I really don't have a, a lot more to say about it except that. To me, it seems like it's pretty obvious that the Earth is, is round. Uh, I don't know. I haven't I haven't been to outer space. I haven't seen it myself. But the fact is that when we go on an airplane and I fly west, uh, I'm going to somehow meet up with the. Uh, with where I started. Uh, so I don't know how all that works, flat earth, round earth, and but just from my very non-scientific 
feeling, belief, opinion. Uh, I, I believe the earth is round. I have no problem with that. I need to really learn more about what their position is. So really can't say a whole lot more about that. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. No, thanks, Rob. I appreciate that. What about you, Daniel? Well, Nikki, I have uh, gotten, I, I have had a, a quite a number of people come to me and ask me what my position is on flat earth. I've looked into quite a few flat earth presentations and of course, like everyone else, I grew up believing in a spherical earth. And so I, I, I really was scratching my head as to why anyone would ever want to believe a flat earth. The problem that I ran into is that in doing some flat earth research, looking into it, uh, I was presented with some observations that really are difficult to reconcile with a round or spherical earth view, which really frustrated me because I just wanted it to be wrong. And mm -hmm. because there is some evidence that's because, you know, I, I'm aware of that it, well, it just doesn't line up with a spherical earth view. It, it's left me without a real firm conclusion. Um, in, in investigating this from different perspectives and talking with survivors that have looked at the earth while you know, say before they came to Christ and were astral traveling or different things. They've mentioned things like grids they've seen on the earth that seemed to challenge the idea that the earth was really, truly a sphere. Um, I've, I've had a few pieces of information come back suggesting that both the round earth and the flat earth is not completely correct and that earth is more of a torus that's T-O-R-U-S than anything, which is a, it's like a mathematical concept. It, it's a shape that can be expanded to, to a, like, a, like a disc, but as it, it compresses, it compresses into first like a donut and then ultimately into a sphere. I don't know how that would relate to how our planet actually manifests, but that piece of information has come back from more than one source which has left me scratching my head as well. So at the end of the day, I don't know the answer to the question, Nikki, but I've had uh, my own journey in this area and I'm still asking questions. Yeah, I think it's gotcha. might be a, it might be a Frisbee, actually. You know, God plays <laughs> ultimate Frisbee for the angels. And uh, all I can do is, on this question, since I am so ignorant, all I can do is use humor because... Uh, unlike Daniel, I haven't really researched any presentations. So, so just well, I, I, if there are any flat earthers out there, you know, my my jokes aren't intended to, you know, to uh, basically be condescending, but just just because I don't really know very much about it. That's all. <laughs> No, I understand. I don't either. And I, I think it's really interesting what you were saying, Daniel, about um, different uh, testimonies you've had from folks who have seen things. And it reminded me of how I've seen everything, like with the matrix, like all the running numbers and things. And I know other people have seen that. And 
um, when I've seen that was way before the Matrix movies came out. So, um, you know, I was like, you know, an older teenager, and the Matrix movies came out, what, in the late 90s? This would have been like 92, I would have been uh, seeing this stuff. Um, but anyway, and when you were saying like the Earth can get flat, it can get different shapes, it made me wonder about dimensionally because um, what things look like in different planes and, and maybe the vantage point of how you're looking at the Earth, and it can be different shapes. So I don't know that you have anything to add to that, but it really got me thinking about how it may look like many different things depending where you're looking from. I don't know. <clears throat> well, it, um, it, it really becomes interesting, Nikki, especially when – you, you begin to bring in the idea that, like, I believe Earth is layered. And I believe that you have a physical Earth sitting atop a spiritual construct. It's like an overlay. Mm. So, and, and, and again into this in my book, Higher Dimensions, Parallel Dimensions in the Spirit Realm, but the idea is that Earth pre-exists day one of creation and you don't see until day three that solid ground appears. And so I, I've surmised, well, maybe Earth existed as a spiritual construct that then later got a physical overlay. And all the other planets and the suns and the stars the same way, would they initially exist as a spiritual construct with a physical overlay? But then there are then many layers to design. And so... Um, it, it really does get interesting, and, and especially when you begin to look at like um, parallel uni universes, um, alternate timelines. Uh, it, when you get out, out of three dimensions, you begin to look at four dimensional, you know, imprints or whatever, and how uh, things are separated. It, it, it's, it, you know, one dimension can be separated from the next by something as small as like 1.6 times 10 to the negative 35th meters. I, that's, I believe that's mm -hmm. called a, um, oh, Lord have mercy. What is the name for that? Uh, it's basically the smallest derivative of, of size or space. And, you know, so, so you can have things in other dimensions very, very close, like right on top of, but yet not apparent. And I don't know how that plays into Earth, but I, I don't know. It's, it's very interesting. You know, and you saying that, it's really interesting, Daniel, and I think Rob will have something to add to this, too. It makes me think of Venus and how, um, you know, Venus is not a hospitable place, but there are people who say that they have been to Venus or they believe they have. Um, I'm also one of those people. I, Rob, have you been to Venus? Yeah, I've had a one, one memory. <clears throat> in a session where I connected with a part of me who had been to Venus and it was a very, very much not like the planet of love, very hostile type hybrid creatures there. And that part of me was pretty much hiding out just for survival. It was uh, not, not a very happy place. Would you say then that was a spiritual level and not the physical? plane of Venus? I, I believe it was a spiritual, mm -hmm. a spiritual construct would be my, my belief on that. Yeah, so I guess every planet has that, which in a way kind of leads me to my next uh, question that I've had people ask, and these are things that I've seen too. Like sometimes people talk about how they've seen a spirit 
um, maybe go through their house or go through their yard and they want to know, do I cast that out? What do I do about this thing? And what I've said to people, and you guys can correct me <clears throat> if, I'm wrong, if I'm wrong here, but I said that, you know, this is like a superhighway. Like there are two existing things happening right here. We have this earth plane, like I'm sitting here right now in my living room talking with you men. And um, there may be, I don't know, who knows what going by, just going about its business, passing through. And it's not necessarily something I need to kick out of my house. It's on its way to, I don't know, China, and it's just happening to fly by. So do you guys understand what I'm saying and what kind of thoughts do you have to uh, share on that? Yeah. You know, it it could be that uh, a number of things. It just could be just passing through. It could be the fact that it's traveling on, of course, many people have heard of ley lines. It could be, which really would be, you know, passage could be, passageways uh, through specific territories that would be more, you know, there's so much to this because I I know I've worked with individuals who have been conduits for spirits to pass through them uh, into another dimension or, and that can be the same of geographical locations. So in that case, it's not necessarily a spirit that is, you know, inhabiting your your house or your land. It could be that it's traveling on a spiritual superhighway uh, to another place, and then you do. As far as doing anything about, it, you'd have to ask the Lord. It, it could be that you're not supposed to do anything. It could be that because it's going through your territory that you might, he might give you a strategy to to break that ley line to to cut um, and sever the at least uh, at least where it goes through your property i think you it, you you could have authority to go to the the edges of your property uh, and be able to uh, cut break and sever and then seal those up with this, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ so that it doesn't pass through your property. Uh, so I think you can, at very minimal, you, you could do that so that it doesn't become a, so the highway just doesn't pass through your your territory. The same thing you can do with your yourself personally. You know, you could also uh, break any agreements to, with these highways going through you and and seal off, you know, cut and sever that off of you and, and seal those places where those open ungodly portals uh, on either side of you enter in and your realm, you and your realm seal off those openings. And therefore that, that traffic can be stopped. Is that anything you want to add, Dan? Yeah, yeah, this is just really, really getting yeah. interesting very fast. Uh, so I, I wanted to say, first of all, that the word I, I couldn't remember was plank length, which is 1.6 times 10 to the negative 35th meters. That is the smallest derivative of size or yeah. space that exists mathematically. And so okay. that was the distance I was referring to before. And uh, so like Rob... 
I've definitely worked with people that have been uh, portals. They, they exist in such a they, what, what's been done to them allows for them to be a, a dimensional pass through. And I think there is a principle that is very biblical about this because we, that, that is actually a hacking of human design. The Bible says that we are the temple of God. And when we look at the type of, you know, well, what was the temple for? It was God's interface point with earth. And so, so the divine presence would rest above the wings of the cherubim on top of the uh, Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies. And that was God's interface point where the high priest, he would go in there and minister to the Lord once a year. And God dwelled with man in his place in the temple. It was an interface point between dimensions, heaven and earth. And then the Bible relegates that demonstration, well, this is how it works, to our bodies. It says, well, you are that. You are the temple of God. And that is both for the individual that is born again in Christ Jesus, as well as the corporate body of Christ. There's language in the New Testament to detail that we corporately are a temple and individually a temple as well. So we are able, in essence, to be God's hands and feet in the earth because he is working through us. And that's his spirit connecting us to him, you know, in heaven where we are and, 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 and through us platforming the will of God into the earth, his love, his desire for ministry to others, so on and so forth. So when that gets hacked, people who were designed to be a temple unto God, ultimately, if they are truly walking in every bit of their inheritance that Jesus Christ has for them, uh, th that hacking allows them to be a temple for other things, a dimensional pass-through for other things. Um, other things come in and go out. And so uh, what I've found is that people get platformed and they open a bunch of portals and those portals have other ends extending to principalities and all kinds of stuff, planets where evil spirits and cosmic beings seem to have, you know, all kinds of territory throughout our cosmos and other universes and, and dimensions. And, um, we spend a lot of time separating people from these things. As far as what Rob was saying, uh, I, you know, I, I've seen that, yes, spirits do, do a lot of travel. I mean, there's, there's plenty of astral projectors at all times all over the place. You know, people think all of their problems are demons. In my opinion, that's a severe understatement and a pretty, um, mm, what, what's the word? It's just a total oversimplification. And uh, there are plenty of people astral projecting parts all over the planet, and there are demons, and there's all kinds of other weird stuff. So what I have had reported to me is that when people anoint their homes and, and do a lot of godly activity, remove stuff from their homes, like, you know, the five-pointed pentagrams in a circle and, you know, witchcraft books and uh, cursed objects and different things like that. You know, they really clear that out of their home. They anoint their home and they do godly things in their home. You know, like they're not running a crack house out of their home or something like that, right? It allows for that place to become occupied by kingdom agents. I, there, there are such a thing as linking angels where they, they can like link arms around a property and the the evil can't come in they actually cannot get access to that person's home i've had it reported to me that uh, god can like manifest light out of a home in the spirit so no one can see in even people that would like to remote view or astral project and look or watch watcher type spirits they can't see inside 
Um, it's been reported to me that where a lot of prayer activity is going on, heavy duty in the spirit, there'll be like cyclones, like whirlwinds around that area, that church maybe, whatever have you. And the spirits have to go around because if they try to go through the whirlwind, they get hurt. And so that's been reported to me. So um, all of that obviously not manifesting on physical earth. It's a layer behind it or several. I don't quite understand that completely, but those are uh, some of my thoughts, Nikki. You know, and what you guys said was really good, and you actually answered because, you know, lots of times when questions come in, other people send other questions that you would say would be like an A, B, C, D under a particular topic. And so, Rob, you touched on the one with lay lies, or lay lies, sorry, way, what did you Ley lines, sorry, losing my language here. The ley lines, and so that answered that question because that was coming through. And then, Daniel, another one that I didn't get to um, was the fact of people actually having spirits pass through them. So you guys actually took care of a, you know, kind of like an A through D under that topic. So that is really good. Um, I guess then would the question be like for someone, because some people who write in, then um, feel like their house in particular has a lot of activity. So they would it be safe to assume maybe they're on a ley line if they do not have like things in their home that opens them up to that type of thing? And, and then that prayer would be for them. Because, you know, people write in all the time that they're having a lot of spiritual activity in their home that's it's not feeling safe, their children aren't safe. So then um, would they anoint their home and then uh, pray to have the ley line moved? Or how would you uh, guys direct them on that? Do you want me to go first? Sure. Okay. Uh, well, I will say this. Um, I have found that land can be covenanted to dark powers who, because of what humans have done on or with a piece of land in the distant past have a residual right to overlord on that land in the present mm -hmm. which can include different types of blood covenants oaths contracts and agreements made uh land where really horrible battles have been fought and great injustice has occurred uh, can can be the reason why that happens um, somehow I think this also explains Indian burial grounds and why there's so much evil activity in these types of geographies you know every house I've ever heard of that's been built on an Indian burial ground has had major spiritual problems I think that uh, sometimes the, the actual land you know, the Bible talks about how the blood of Abel cried out, and that was in the ground. And so I think that, you know, shed, shed blood somehow in some way, I'm not sure how this makes sense, but can actually speak. Um, and, you know, one of the things that God promises to heal when his people turn from their wicked ways is the land. He says, I will heal your land in... Mm. Um, the book of Second Chronicles, chapter 7. And so I think that there's a huge principle to land being covenanted. And, and so if we are on a land that's been covenanted to evil powers, then 
true peace comes when that is somehow broken or undone and uh, that's not always necessarily easy <laughs> or um, but it's so you know I, I I've also found that this can get kind of complicated because I, I will get like people coming to me and, and talking about um, well I live in a house that's owned by someone else but I'm living in one of their bedrooms and there's all this evil spiritual activity going on in the house what can I do about that you know and I'll, I'll, I'll tell them I said well you can anoint the room that you're staying in but if the person that owns the house is inviting certain spiritual activity into the house that they own you're going to have some problems overriding that because you don't own that house. Yeah, amen to that. That's a good point, Daniel. You can really you can't set someone free who doesn't want to be. And I can speak that for myself. If I have a stronghold and I don't want to let go of it, you are not going to be able to pray me out of it. Now, you may give me some temporary freedom. You know, at times when we've worked together, maybe there's something I'm holding on to, and for a moment I may have some peace. But if internally I am still in agreement with whatever this thing is, it still has authority. So, yeah, if you're in someone else's home and they have an agreement for a particular atmosphere or whatever belief system is in their home, you can do your best to safeguard your own self, put yourself in Christ while you're there in that environment to protect yourself. But you will not be able to, to deliver that home unless the people who own that home come out of agreement with what's there. Yes, and I, I, I totally agree. I think there's a number of steps you can take in order to be thorough. Yeah, the first thing to do would be to cleanse the house of anything that would be defiling in, uh, in it, to get rid of it, and even if the Lord calls you to burn it, to burn it, to anoint the house, especially the, the, the doors and, and windows. And then, then you're looking after that at land and it, and Daniel pretty much covered that you know generationally how do you find out what's going on in the land well you, you can try to track down the history if, mm -hmm. the, if you can't get the history then you just need maybe a team of people who are uh, who've got discernment in the spiritual realm maybe so, somebody who sees well in the spiritual who can get a clue I lived uh, in a place called Indian Fields uh, for over 10 years and it seemed like uh, I was actually about third um, no 11 years and it seemed like the area of the townhouses that we were in at least the the couple of streets around us there was some things going on in terms of financial devouring and even though we did everything in terms of what we could do in our own townhouse and stake in the land and and all that stuff it seemed to be to go out further than us it, it seemed to only have a measure of breakthrough other areas you can look at there's water aqueducts under the land that i cover when i pray for property and the atmosphere over the land the, the air i also look at boundaries and see if i can sense or feel anything there and then we want to then eventually put up uh, a firewall with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ in it and angels stationed around it, linking angels uh, around the property. I also look at what is coming into the home, uh, which could include, uh, and this was on, 
this is actually part of a, a memory that I have because I was used this way because my father was the superintendent of the water department that that I would go uh, in my spirit they well anyway they took the reservoir and basically you know did a, a human sacrifice and, and then uh, put the the blood and everything into it in order to empower that reservoir and then I was I was used as in my spirit as a conduit to bring this water into the homes of the people in the community so uh, demonic spirits curses can th flow in through from the outside through water water lines uh, electric uh, electricity lines uh, Wi-Fi etc so you can take your authority and seal off those places at, at the borders of your property and say you know whatever may be defiling that's coming in through those locations I'm going to take my authority and seal that off with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Any of those entrance points would be effective. And I've seen this to be very effective for many people. There is, however, one uh, woman that I'm counseling, and and I received this. We She even did Jer Jericho marches around it and fasted, everything, including all the tools I shared. We tried every single thing, and... Nikki has been assisting me with me with her and I got this and then Nikki kind of confirmed it that she just got she just has to get out of there. The place is just so defiled. Um, unfortunately financially it's gonna be difficult. it will be it's difficult at this time, but sometimes it's beyond you. Like if you're in a housing complex and you've tried everything and it's just so defiling the, the building, the people, the land that you just may just have to move. Um, but those are the tools and, and the kind of the checklist that I work through as I work with someone in terms of clearing their, their house, their land, their property, et cetera. Well, here's a really good one that I know, uh, Rob, that you and Daniel can both add on because these are actually, this is a, touches on a conversation that um, we've had before just privately, but... Um, the first part isn't, but the second part is. So, you know, when you have a place where a lot of maybe violent things happened, um, you know, like maybe, um, you know, a lady lost her baby and she committed suicide and, you know, now it's a bed and breakfast and they see her, you know, moaning the halls or even places that were underground railroads and, you know, a lot of folks who were under bondage at that time, you know, coming through a lot of sorrow and pain, death. And so people will see um, these individuals um, you know, moving through there who had escaped slavery and they find them walking through there. So, you know, we've talked about before about how much stays here, you know, a remnant of, of, of setting people free and actually being bound and not being able to go on to their eternity. And do you guys find that trauma at times can hold a spirit hostage, hold someone in a place? Because, you know, before, you know, when I was growing up, you know, I came from a very religious uh, background um, and not in a positive way, um, you know, to where, um, you know, there's no such thing as ghosts. They're all just demons pretending to be a person, this and that. I don't believe that anymore personally. I don't know exactly how that works, but um, I have heard of cases where literal people themselves 
have been set free to leave and go on to their eternity. So what do you guys have to say about that? Because there are folks, again, this would be like point E under that first question. What if I feel like there is a human spirit living in my home? There's some sort of trauma or they don't want to leave and it's not. Do you guys feel A, it's a demonic manifestation pretending I'm so-and-so? Or B, could it really be a traumatic event tying the person there? Or I've heard others say it leaves an energy sort of impression like, you know, you look at a really bright light and then you look at a wall and you can see the imprint on the wall of what you saw. You know, it's like burned into your retina. You know, do you feel it's something like burned into the um, retina of your um, spiritual space there in your home? And that's why it's presenting. What do you guys think? Should I go under the bus first? No, I'll, I'll go under the bus first. You know, Rob, you're such a trooper. Is that like because you have a martyr syndrome, or is it just because you're a trooper? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, go ahead, Rob. Well, my answer is that it could be all th- any of those three or combination mm-hmm. of those three. I, I personally... In my journey, uh, even in, I can even think about around 2000, I was because of my experience in what I was discerning in the spiritual realm and in my own journey, I uh, really was convinced that not everything was uh, a demon, but that there were human deceased spirits that that were somehow stuck here in this realm and didn't move on till etern- into eternity. And I know that's controversial. I, I know there are s- evil spirits, demons that masquerade as the, as the person. They may be passed down through family. So I know you gotta be discerning about that, of course, but not in every case, I don't believe. And so, mm-hmm. I probably kept that, except for a, a couple of people, I kept that pretty private until sure. finally uh, Arthur Burke came out with with a uh, CD series, and he kept it pretty much private for about 10 years as well, called Alien Human Spirits, and basically mm-hmm. went public with the fact that these things really do exist, and the reasons why, yes, trauma, uh, you know, murder, suicide can be for some unexplained reason can that we don't know can be one of the reasons why a human spirit can be stuck in this realm and not move on to eternity. And I see this, of course, I work with more individuals than with land, at least at this point. But of course, you know, the a human spirit wants to find something or someone to be able to attach to uh, and so they can attach to people and they can attach to buildings land etc and have some kind of abode some kind of existence shadowy as it is in this realm even though they should be in eternity in order to go into all the details of of why and how that happens, uh, really, that would take a whole show. 
Yeah, that would be its own program. It'd be interesting, but it would stand on its own for but sure. I did, but I've dealt with this now for about three or four years, and it's very common. It's not spooky to me. We mm-hmm. don't conjure up any spirit, but if right. something is encountered, then I'll address it. And it's, it has to be dealt with differently than a than a demon. A demon you cast out. You can't cast out a human. Instead, right. I just simply address it and and say, you know, you were, and this is just the short Reader's Digest, you, you really are, God is a God of love and grace, and for whatever reason, whether it's your will or that you got stuck here, you know, it's time now that we can ask Jesus to come with his angels and to bring you into eternity. And if there's fear there, I, I, I can't tell them whether they're saved or not, but you know, and what God is going to do, but I can say, you know, God is merciful. It's, it's better to go with him than for me to ask him to bring his, uh, you know, gathering angels to haul you off. uh, Right. If they're resistant, it's better for you to make that choice because we know that our God's a merciful God and to plead your case before his throne. If, and most of the time the, I found that they're willing to respond to that and go. Occasionally, I get, get very resistant ones, and I've had to ask God to send his angels just to haul them off because it's not God's protocol is that once we die, that we we are to go from time into eternity. So it it is against his protocol, but how all the mechanics of how a spirit, whether it gets stuck here or whether it it, it wants to somehow somehow it's able to stay here through some generational covenant or whatever. You know, there's a lot of factors and, you know, that, that, that gets pretty complex. And to me now, I'm not so concerned about all the complexity. I just, I just care about the person who I'm ministering to getting free. And if there are, if there is a deceased spirit or spirits in there, then there, there's a conflict of wills, which interferes with that person be able to fulfill their destiny. And I, I just want to see the person free. So at this point, that's my main purpose in dealing with them. I don't sensationalize it. I just deal with it. But it is, uh, if you get into all the details of what the whys and hows, it probably gets pretty complex. Daniel? (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad you went first. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You did great, Rob. That was good stuff, Rob. It was very articulate. Thank you. Here's the thing. Uh, a lot of traditional conservative Christians are right now, um, I mean, foaming at the mouth. It's upset. How dare you, Christian ministers, endorse the idea that, that human spirits that have died can have any kind of interaction with anything at all? Well, I have a s- several things that I, I need to point out. One, Uh, realms interface for different reasons. As a matter of fact, even when a passage has occurred from this world to where someone belongs, interface can happen. The reason why I know that is because the Bible says that people are not supposed to engage in things like necromancy. 
<laughs> the Bible says in mm-hmm. Deuteronomy 18:9, when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire or who practices witchcraft or a soothsayer or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer or one who conjures spells or a medium or a spiritist or one who calls up the dead. That's a necromancer. That's necromancy. The Bible wouldn't say don't call up the dead if it couldn't be done. And that's where Christians get really, I, I don't know, it, it, there's a break from logic. We just make up rules. Like, well, I believe that there should be no ability for people to communicate with the dead. So then, since I said it, it must be true. And it's like, but the Bible's literally saying don't do that. So I, I am always like banging my head up against the wall, Nikki, because I'm just like, what? where do people come up with these conclusions? And then if we move over to 1 Samuel 28, we actually see necromancy happening because the Bible does not say that the witch at Endor pulls up a spirit masquerading as Samuel. It actually says she pulled up Samuel. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a way that it happens, right? So Saul goes and he kind of talks her into it and she has a insight. She says, oh my gosh, you're Saul and uh you, like what what are you doing or, or she doesn't say you're Saul she says do you not know that Saul has cut off all those that have familiar spirits and wizards out of the land she thought that he was setting her up um mm-hmm. so then Saul comes and says well I swear by the lord there will be no punishment for you for what you do bring Samuel up for me and so she does the funny thing is that when she does it Saul cannot see Samuel, but Samuel does come up in the spirit and she sees into the spirit with spiritual eyes and discerns Samuel. And so then Saul asks, well, what do you see? And what is his form? And she says, an old man has come up with a mantle. And um, at that point, Saul perceives it is Samuel. And so he actually bows. And Samuel says, why did you disquiet me? That's what the Bible says. So, okay, moving on from that to the actual question. I I say realms can interface and overlap. But then you have the question of trauma and an inability to pass where a person belongs. Well, the Bible says it is unappointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. And that's often where people get on their high horse and say, yes, see, so you die and you go immediately where you belong, heaven or hell. That's it. And what we have to understand is what the word judgment means. So there's two significant judgments I see in the New Testament pertaining to afterlife. One is called the judgment seat of Christ, where all believers will stand and receive a reward. And some will pass through the fire and lose everything, but still be saved. And then there is something known as the great white throne judgment, which we see in Revelation chapter 20. And that's at the very end. And everybody that's uh, not, I assume, judged at the judgment seat of Christ stands before the judgment, the great white throne judgment. And that is where everything gets thrown in the lake of fire. And so... What happens there is that you, you read this passage, it says it is a point that a man wants to die and after that the judgment. So this is what's true. Your physical body will die and after that there will be a judgment. 
Which one? Well, both of them are future tense. They're not happening right now. They're not happening right now. We're not at the judgment seat of Christ. We're not at the great white throne judgment. I believe this actually refers to the great white throne judgment for a number of reasons. And so this creates a massive gray area of what happens after people die. And what I found, just like Rob, is that people can get trapped. And people get trapped in different places. I, I, I have found people trapped in other realms whose physical bodies are dead. I have found people trapped in systems, that is, within the subconscious regions of survivors whose physical bodies have died. So, so Jane might be in Bob's system as a soul fragment after Jane has already died in the natural, but a piece of Jane got trapped in Bob. And so we have to take it out. As a matter of fact, uh, in one program, we were talking about how I had met a, a Russian ballet dancer who went with Jesus out of the system of the person that I was working with, never met him again. But I talked to them and they had a thick Russian accent. Um, on another occasion, I was working with somebody and I met a lady who probably would have been the equivalent of 95 years old. Her body had been killed off and her platform of operation had been made to be my client's body. But most of the time, she was out of body in secret space program. But when they were done, they would plant her in my client's body and some of her memories began to drift over into my, con my, my client's uh, <laughs> memory banks to my client's other confusion. And when I finally met this person who was in their body, they, they told me a number of mysteries, a number of secrets. And then I said, would you like to go with Jesus? They said, yes, boom, gone. And God took them. But their physical body had been dead for years, probably like 30 years. And wow. so there's a lot of confusion that's happened, especially in these black projects, secret space program, government-sponsored mind control nonsense. They really like to do a lot with what I call transmigration. And transmigration is the transfer of spirit-soul substance from one vessel to another. And they have both scientific and ritual processes to do this. But it can be done through trauma. Now, how this ends up with a person like walking around a house, I'm not sure where all of the, you know, finer points start and stop. Um, how, you know, how, how do you murder someone so they still hang around the house they were murdered? Like, I don't know that. I don't, I don't know that answer. Mm -hmm. But what I do know is that the Bible says after that, the judgment, that judgment isn't for a long time. That's a gray area. Yeah. Necromancy is a real thing. It's not just talking to demons. This is a real, this is a real thing. Realms do overlap. And so um, there's enough principles there that help us to at least form a grid for realizing that this is a real thing. And, um, you know, I, I, I actually have a prayer that I've put together to help people get set free of what I call human persecutors. And, and these can be parts of people that are either dead or alive that are still hanging around, afflicting a person um, for an, a host of reasons, um, sometimes to control them. These can be ancestral spirits as well. It, it, it just goes on and on. Can I just add one more thing to that? Yeah. Matter of fact, just today, uh, a person that I was in ministry with, we discovered an internal world and her father, which has who had just passed away about a year ago, there was 
a part of her father that was programmed into that internal world. So how do you, you know, if, if he's dead, but yet you still have a, a part program, how do you explain that? And, and here's just another thing, because Daniel did a great job kind of laying that out. I, too, agree with that thing about judgment. It didn't necessarily, it says, then the judgment, people assume there's no no gray area in between there. And I do believe that's the, the great white throne judgment as well. But how about, I mean, we could understand that it, an unsaved person could have all of their spirit or a part of it uh, stuck in this realm. But how about someone who is saved and born again? I think, and I think Daniel and I would agree on this, I don't. I don't really think if you're you're saved that your whole spirit could be kept here. But what about the fact that you could have most of your spirit in heaven, but still have a part or two or whatever stuck here? And that's. Uh, I think I shared this on one of my in my testimony program where there was a part of Sarah. Uh, who was my girlfriend in, in the cult growing up, where she was in this internal world, and all of a sudden the angels came and said, it's time for her to go, and I felt this incredible fear. Now, I had, I had already been given a vision of her in heaven a number of years ago. So how do you explain that? You got 95% of her in heaven, and yet there is a part still here attached to me well i believe that can even happen and that was through some kind of a agreement that we had made uh, that even a saved person perhaps through trauma perhaps through prior agreements perhaps through generational covenants could have still a portion or part of their spirits stuck here um, really really out of the box uh, but it's what we've experienced. It's what we've encountered. It is born fruit once that has been done. And it's just the mechanics of the spiritual realm are so much more. I think we try to simplify it, oversimplify it. And there are things that we just don't understand. And realms do cross because mm -hmm. people who go into eternity uh, rightfully can still come back here what look at Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration and again the example of Samuel although that was kind of like he didn't he didn't really like it too much <laughs> his peace was being disturbed it was kind of a, a violation of uh, boundaries but you know there's just so much more if you're struggling with this uh, pray about it read the word uh, and just know that the mechanics of the spiritual realm are just so much more complex than we can be aware of. And our job, I know for me, is I just want to get people set free. And we encounter things that the normal conservative tools that are used just do not fit or work. And so we hear the Holy Spirit. We encounter things that are out of the box. We and then we begin to see fruit happen as we 
see a pattern with other people, these things come up. I, I do want to add, sorry, we're, we're like playing tennis now. Sorry, Nikki. Yeah, sure. The, sure. the, the tennis net, and we're just like, yeah, <laughs> by the way. How <laughs> yeah. old? No, just kidding. Um, oh, yeah, you get to regulate, though, because you, you could like, you are the interviewer, Nikki, so I can get No, you're right saying now. good stuff. I mean, you guys are hitting on all kinds of stuff, so you're answering other questions that we haven't gotten to yet, so it's actually, this is, you guys are following the correct course, so. Go ahead. 2 Corinthians 5.8 says, We are confident, yes, well, pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. This scripture is often used to communicate that when a Christian dies, they are going to be present with God in heaven. And so one of the things that we've kind of understood at this point is that that is true, right? Christians die and, and we are present with heaven, with God in heaven. But like Rob said, it can be an incomplete percentage of us and it is the percentage that is in full agreement with God and his salvation other parts that have been fragmented and locked up in other realms or in total disagreement with God can be scattered elsewhere and what seems to happen is that the part of us that is in heaven in full agreement with God once death occurs is at full peace um, with no awareness of incompleteness. That's what seems to be the case. And and I, I kind of remember this being a, a confirmed, and I don't know how, but with the whole Sarah thing that you brought up, Rob, it was like yeah. Sarah in heaven was not aware of Sarah in you and being incomplete in heaven. So it was like added later once taken out, but it was not that there was an awareness that there was any lack of wholeness in heaven. So there's this uh, provision from God. Yes, go ahead, (laughs) Nikki. Well, what leads me to a really interesting thing to what you said, Daniel, you know, um, when the resurrection happens and it says that, you know, the bodies will be called up from the graves, from the sea, wherever they are, and, you know, if if you go back just throughout, you know, the history of the world, there's dust. Not everybody, not even bones are left. Or in the ocean, you know, things have been eaten up or crushed or whatever. So at that point, do you feel then that that's when the people are made whole, when they're given their resurrected bodies? They, the Lord resurrects their physical body, and he also then gathers from wherever they are, whether it's here on this earthly plane or in other dimensions, wherever they may be, every missing portion puts it all together to make one whole. Would that be a fair assumption? Well, there's a really interesting passage in Matthew 24. (laughs) Uh, Really, really interesting. And I need to actually pull it up to uh, quote it. But... um... Yeah, and I have a passage too, after you you share that. Mm. Okay, so Matthew 24, 31... And you you could even back it up. Verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun shall be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send his angels 
with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Oh, oh, whoever saw that noticed it. I know I didn't. And to piggyback on that, just read through Hebrews 11, which talks about all these heroes of faith from the Old Testament. And and then it says that they were willing to endure incredible suffering because so that they may gain a better resurrection. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 35. And finally, to round out that chapter, it says, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what they had promised. Of course, we know the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ has brought about the victory, but we're still yet to fully appropriate that victory. And God says, and again in Hebrews 11, verse 40, says God has planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. I think uh, I think there is a that perfection uh, and the completeness of all the fullness of promises and perhaps even parts or fragments of our spirit and souls and all of that together uh, in its a full perfection will not come until the resurrection of the body uh, along with everything else and I think that passage that Daniel says uh, really really kind of dovetails with this to give you a picture of the fact that yeah it's going to be great when our disembodied spirits are in heaven when we die but but there's something still more that believers are looking forward to and that the big grand prize, the fullness of our perfection, is the resurrection of the dead. And I think there's a lot to that, Matthew 24, that we don't fully understand. Hmm. I'll just leave it at that, because I think a lot of it is a mystery, but it's awesome. No, that's great. You guys did a really good job with that. And I don't know... Um, I mean, you sort of touched on this. This is a question that's come through uh, recently, and um, I even felt with myself based on some of the things that this lady shared that um, perhaps I may be able to relate on some level. So if you guys feel this is a bit redundant, um, you know, obviously skip the um, parts that you feel you've already touched on, but uh, someone has asked about hive minds and mind melding and... um, you know, and, and about getting, I know you guys touched on how parts can be put inside of other people, but um, to take this down further, some of the questions or experiences, I guess, that this particular individual had is it involved swimming pools or waterfalls or um, immersing someone in liquid, and that is used to create a mind meld, um, and that um, this is something that they believe is being used a lot. So what do you guys have to say about that? Um, in terms of sharing parts of other people and just mind melds and hive think and that sort of thing. Okay. 
I think I will take this on first. Okay. Oh, man. What a doozy. Uh, mm-hmm. I have very little doubt that mind melding is a real thing. And I wouldn't doubt either that they're using water in some way to do these processes. So I have a few thoughts on hive mind and obviously there is a premise for this in the scripture because in the book of Revelation, it talks about how the, uh, the kings will all be of one mind. It talks about mm-hmm. kings that, that serve evil and, and it says they will all be of one mind. And um, they, so, so, so there is like what I see there in the book of Revelation is reference to a hive mind type of scenario. Now, what I have seen, and, and, and um, this Revelation chapter 17, verse uh, 13, um, and 17, verse 17. Anyway. What would I see today? I have seen this as I've worked with people, like like in a practical sense, how this plays out. They seem to have a way of taking like part of Jan and part of Sue. This may be a, a mother daughter, a Jan and Sue, or whatever. Um, two girls that were programmed very closely or twinned, and they will take you know the torture happen and then parts will split off and fragment and they'll have a way of taking those Uh, they may have some processes in the natural that assist with this but essentially it's happening in other realms or dimensions Uh, they take the two parts into a type of of laboratory and they can cut them in half you know that language sounds strange but it just seems to be accurate and plop them together and stitch them up so you actually have a new entity that, that is a part that is both people. And then they'll take that part that is both people and actually put it in one of them. So wow. I can't kick out the mom without kicking out the daughter and, and vice versa because the, the part is actually both at the same time. So it's actually a reinforced anchor point that maintains bondage. But they can do this with demons as well they can take a part of a person and combine it with the demon and stitch it like that and they they use something that we've found or i found is called a cord that binds and somehow in in the spirit or astral realm there there is a genetics there is a genetic uh oh how do you say uh component of even our soul parts so they will bind the genetics of a person's soul part that's been split with the genetics of the demon with a cord that binds so that they are now one and that cord actually has to be cut in order to separate that part into its components or if it's two people that have been programmed together they separate them into their components now when when these constructs exist you you could see how this would make it much more uh realistic that thoughts would be shared 
there'd be transfers between consciousness because this establishment in the spirit is is basically an agreement to be one <laughs> and, and, and in a very uh, corrupt way. It was pure injustice, but it, as long as it exists, it, it is there. So they do this a lot. And uh, I, I find myself, as, as, after I figured this out, I'm like finding it everywhere. So that's a component. One of the other things that I found that they do is they use implants like and it, it implants can be different. They could be liquid crystal implants. They could be um, audio implants in the ear. They, they could they could be uh, nanotech implants. And, and, and some of these implants are going to in, interface with different kinds of wave based technologies like psychotronic weapons or quantum computers. And so they can interface people through computers in the quantum and create a, 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 a what I would say would be a preliminary kind of manifestation of high mind, so to speak. But I've seen that. So I, I'm constantly dealing with these implants that are hooking people into these dimensional quantum beast computers. They, you know, they have different names. There's different types of them. Just this week, I was dealing with this massive holographic computer whose implications meant a, a multiverse holographic overlay. <laughs> Make sense of that. Yet here I am dealing mm -hmm. with it. And I'll tell you what, the angels of the Lord and Jesus Christ are all about tearing that thing to pieces. It was huge. So, you know, and, and the person had huge freedom afterwards. It's like, well, there's fruit. So we're running into this like, really weird stuff um, that seems to point towards, okay, they're trying to create hive minds synthetically or technologically or an with some kind of analog mixing of people's soul parts. It's just a, a big mess. And then there's the, the side of this equation that means they are, are putting, essentially it's like cords between systems in the spirit that function like portals. So I, as it, I found that certain people's systems are attached to other people's systems with like what l would look in the spirit like a train or a railway or a maglev or something. You can actually go out of a person's system into another individual system that they're tied to and they can transfer parts, which means transferring consciousness between the two or 10 or 1,000. I mean, and, and so they have mm. networks between survivors and you know, black ops soldiers and people that have been through mind control. And uh, there's an exchange of consciousness, which can be another, you know, point or, or step towards hive mind. So those are just some of the things that I've dealt with. Thank you, Daniel, for sharing that. That was extremely interesting. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners are appreciating uh, the in-depth answer you gave to that. Um, you know, Rob, a lot of people have heard your interviews and they write in, um, which also makes you popular as a coach because people feel like you're going to understand them uh, being a survivor yourself. Um, so some of the people ask, um, you know, what is it that has brought you to the place of wanting to be, um, you know, a, a counselor and a coach to uh, people who come from the survivor community? Is it because they want to know because you're a survivor and you feel like you're righting a wrong by helping them? Or do you feel this is your calling from God 
uh, period, or what is your motivation for doing what you do? Because they realize it costs you something to do that because you obviously have to dig pretty deep. Yeah, this is tough work. I wouldn't really want to do this unless I really, or anybody, was really called to it because it's very, very hard work in terms of, number one, the, the pain level that you experience in the survivors day after day after day, and number two, the spiritual warfare involved in it. So it's not just like, yeah, this is kind of a cool thing to do. Yeah, I'm, I've been through the journey myself. I think it would be cool to help some su survivors. No, uh, that's, that's not it at all. Actually, to kind of just briefly give you a, a history, when I was in seminary, the plan was for my life that, that I had was I was called to youth ministry. I'd do that for 10 years, maybe 15, uh, something like that. And then I was going to go back at my Ph.D. in pastoral psychotherapy and mm -hmm. Because I always had an interest in psychology, counseling, figuring out a way to heal and fix problems. I was always had a fascination with that. But I also had this calling to youth ministry. So I was going to do that first and then this. Well, then when I got into the middle of my journey, which you can listen to on the, the two podcasts where I share my testimony, it... You know, working with survivors was like the last thing I'd want to do because mm -hmm. <laughs> I was going through so much of my own hell and the connection with the memories was so horrific. It was I was it wasn't even on my radar. But as I got to a significant measure of freedom, which really was about five years ago, not completely mm -hmm. integrated, but really to the point where uh, I wasn't like tormented every day. Then God started to really give me a, a clear call. And that's to really to narrow it down. It would be three things. Number one, a call to set survivors of SRADID and DID free into wholeness and to fulfill their destiny and to find keys that are going to accelerate that journey Two, to train others to do coaching, counseling of those who are DID. And three, really, which is still mainly future, is to help develop end time Goshens, or as Daniel coins it, sheep nations. There's a lot of revelation that I still feel like that about that that's in the future. So that's kind of the threefold call that I have just so that people know. So yeah, I feel as far as the SRA DID, I, I feel a passion. When when God connects me with someone, I really feel a calling to them to fight for them, to to battle, to get my hands dirty. In in terms of say, you know, I'm gonna, I'm God. This is a sovereign connection, and I believe the people God sends to me, I really care for, and I, and I want them to become all they were created to be out of the ashes of the devastation that Satan has done to them, throwing the very worst uh, that human beings can ever experience, getting the, the, the worst suffering, the worst trauma, and coming out of that, and then they can come into the fullness of their calling and destiny. So I really love that. Uh, I enjoy doing it. 
and I also enjoy getting payback on the enemy for mm -hmm. all that he he wished he would never had messed with me because now God is using me to set others free who have been traumatized in, in similar type ways. And so it, it's, it is a passion. It is a calling. I don't believe that everybody who's SRADID who comes through it is supposed to do that. You, know, there, you can have a number of calls, but I do believe there's going to be more and more people like me uh, who are going to come out of that and be incredible champions for freedom, freedom fighters, for those who mm -hmm. are in this type of just unthinkable bondage. So that's that's a little bit of my history with that. And yeah, I'm, but I got to say that, that I do have my, just to be honest, I love it. I'm passionate about it. I do have my days that, where I do say, God, why am I doing this? Because it, it can be very hard and it can be difficult. And when people get really stuck and they're just like, they're just crying out help uh, mm -hmm. and you don't really know what to do. They're in agony. It, it's, it's tough. It, and, but yeah. it's worth it. It's worth it. It's, it, it's worth the cost. Yeah, in some ways, don't you think it's kind of put you ahead of the learning curve a bit because um, you understand the language? It's sort of like, you know, um, having been, you know, raised in the church my whole life, I understand a lot of lingo and different, um, you know, Christian comings and goings that maybe people outside the church wouldn't know. And so for you, if someone mentions maybe um, a particular, like, out-of-body or whatever it might be, they don't have to take you know, an hour explaining to you what that means, it really kind of cuts a big chunk off of um, the therapy time by be speaking the language, don't you think? Well, two things, two things I think that it, it helps. Number one, the connection. The, there's some sense that when you've been like a drug addict who then is set free from drug addiction, then works with other drugs, they know that there's some sense of understanding. So there's that sense of synchronization, that empathy, that, the, that in some way, those who I work with know that I can identify with and what it feels like. Uh, secondly, I've got some authority there because of the per the perseverance it took to go through 20 plus years of counseling and prayer ministry and whatever fasting, everything that it took to uh, to get to this. So when somebody is about to quit, you know, I, I can bring that authority to the table. And mm -hmm. really say, okay, well, in some senses, I, I, I must have said myself hundreds of times, probably a thousand times, I want to quit uh, in mm -hmm. there. But it's worth it to, to stay in the game, to keep in the fight, even, no matter how much hell there is, because I've been able to get to the other side, and I know it's doable. And so in those ways, I think it is very, very helpful. In terms of knowledge, though, you know what? It, my own experience is just a sliver of the wide array of experiences. And you know what? I, I'm just learning more and more and more. It, it, to me, it's not like I'm some expert who knew everything because of my own SRA memories. But, but I'm just learning a whole lot more as I see the different things and different about how they programmed and worked with different 
survivors. So that I'm still, I still feel like I'm on a big learning curve. Maybe mm -hmm. it helps a little bit, but I think those other ways are more the, big reasons for for how it can help in working with survivors you know you spoke to me personally when you said that and I can't remember the exact sentence you said but when you said it it really spoke to me and I realized that anyone who was listening to this uh, program today and heard that sentence whichever one it was will be impacted just as strongly and I know what it had to do with was when you were mentioning about you know how difficult the journey is and that um, you understand the wanting to quit and not. And so I really feel led to ask you this question because I feel like there are just many ears leaning forward who are just desperate to hear this answer. Why is it worth it to continue to push forward and not just be thankful for what you have, you know, buckle down, you know, everything that you've got around you and ride out this storm and make the best with what you have? What is it that would tell people it's worth continuing to move forward. I've got a scripture for that. Okay. Because that's a that's a really tough one. <laughs> because <laughs> you know, if if I knew all the hell that I had to go through for like twenty, twenty five years, I'm not sure I'd say yes again. Uh, because mm -hmm. it was so hard for for me, but uh, I'm thinking of the scripture that where, where Paul says that I believe it's in Romans uh, and or is it in Corinthians uh, I can paraphrase that because of time because I don't want to take a long time looking but basically Paul he's he's in order to affirm you know that his apostleship he goes through this long litany of sufferings they went through beatings persecutions shipwrecked uh, times where he was cold and naked in prison you know on and on and on and on in this long litany and then he says but for these light momentary afflictions and you're like Paul You've been through hell. Wherever you go, you get attacked or, and persecuted. And, and just, he's like Rocky. You know, he just gets beaten up and then he just gets back up again. What do you mean light momentary afflictions? Then he says, but that's what he uses. These light momentary will bring in us a weight of glory. And again, I'm just paraphrasing uh, in eternity. In this, I believe in this, starting in this life and in eternity, a weight of glory. There's something about that, uh, that the going through what we've gone through, and it's not just SRADID, it, this is for everybody in terms of, of the journey that God has you to go through. There is a weight of glory that God wants to work in you that will be brought into this life and in all of its fullness in eternity that we're going to say you know it was all worth it it was just light momentary afflictions to create in, in something uh, so wonderful so amazing so powerful that that will be like it's like 10,000 Christmases at once uh, 
I don't know how to describe it other than to know that I am somebody now that I wouldn't have been if I had just said, you know what, let's just kind of ride this out, keep disassociated, and just kind of ride out my life and make it through, you know, without all these memories that I had to connect with and the hell that went with it. Um, you know, there's something that's created in me, something that I can already implement in my life, in my relationships, in my ministry, and will come out in all of its full splendor in eternity. All I can say, those 20, 25 years, it, it's, it's worth it now, and I'm going to really find out that it's worth it big time in eternity because of something that God is producing in me, in you. It's worth it. It's that, well, you I, said, I Rob. How, it's hard to oh, go ahead. put it in language, but that's mm -hmm. what I'm trying to get across. It, okay, it may be hell on earth, but it's gonna. When we, it's so beautiful to the Lord. When everything else is just from every side, you're just getting creamed, and you still are seeking the Lord, crying out to Him. You may not even be able to pray, but just give them your tears. And you just don't give up and say, I'm just going to trust you. I'm just hanging on by a thread. There's something so beautiful about that uh, to the Lord uh, mm -hmm. that, uh, that I think overwhelms him. And that works in us something so deep and glorious that, that the angels will never experience because they, they never went through the, what we went through. They were always mm -hmm. in the, and other heavenly beings as well. And some, that's something just for people to ponder and meditate upon, uh, because I think that's something that I can't, in my own words, describe as something you're going to have to bring to the Lord. And Rob, have to show how, how much it is worth it, worth the cost. Rob, that was so incredible. I cannot tell you how much that impacted me, what you said. I'm sure it impacted Daniel, too. And you're right, it's not just for survivors, but... Everyone in this world is struggling to a certain extent, whether yeah. it's, you know, their finances, they're losing their home, or they can't afford their medical bills, or a child has cancer, or whatever the problem is. And I'm thinking, and I, I literally, I felt like tears in my eyes when you were talking, and I literally got like a vision of like all of us being there and just laughing, like sitting around and just laughing. And it reminded me, I'm like, what is this reminding me of? And it reminded me of, uh, for those who have seen it, the Lord of the Rings movie, and after you know, Frodo is done with his uh, journey and, you know, kills the eye of Sauron and he's back and he wakes up in that bed and everybody's around and they all they're doing is just laughing. Oh, it's you! And oh, it's you! I thought you were dead and gone. You're here! And everybody was reunited. It was just the most powerful, like, moment. And it was just like that whole journey was over and they were just full of joy. And um, I really see us there, Rob. Um, I mean, not just you and Daniel in, in this conversation, but it's almost like... I had this future vision of what it would be like, like remember when we had that conversation that one time, or, and just all of us as brothers and sisters are gathered and actually just laughing, just laughing at even the things that we found were just so hard, and, 
and we have nothing but joy and all sorrow is gone and I just really was able to receive that based on the language that you chose and I really really believe that what you said was inspired by God for like everybody to hear I really mean that I think you said that so well Rob thank you Nikki I appreciate appreciate those words and you know Daniel I wanted to ask you something I know well, I just um, I found the passage oh, go ahead. just so people oh, good. can oh, good. note this 2 Corinthians 4:17 for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So then we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now, that's a verse that is filled with a whole lot of stuff to unpack. Second mm -hmm. Corinthians 4.17 Sometimes I think about the things that I get concerned about now, even things that are very alarming and even things that are legitimately alarming. And I think 60 million years from now, will I be worried about it? 100 billion years from now, will I think about that? And it really blows my mind. That's one of those things about eternity. I can only take it so far be before my brain smokes because even after the, the 150 billion years, we haven't even started. And it really gives me a perspective on the right now. Um, even if I lost everything, which I don't want to do, God have mercy on me, but even if I did, um, am I even going to consider that 150 trillion years from now? Gosh, you know, 2015 really stunk. You know, it's not even going to matter. All that's going to matter are the souls that are there, the people who were redeemed, and what we recovered for the kingdom. And when I have that mindset, all of a sudden, the things that trouble me, I almost can laugh about it. Like right now, I actually feel a little teary. I could almost laugh about the things I'm worked up about. Um, there are things even about my job that I know, oh, I need to get this out. And I'm thinking, yeah, do that. But I'm thinking what's important is the end result and um, the kingdom. And then all the way down, then I'm not going to worry, oh, my gosh, my Wi-Fi went out or oh, man, whatever happened, you know, I couldn't pay that bill, or it just doesn't matter, even the trauma and the pain and the things, and and um, I have a lot of pain, and, and in particular anxieties and worries, and um, it really, I feel empowered right now, Rob, after what you shared, to really kind of let that go, and at least for the moment, I'll need to remind myself, it will be a daily reminding myself, um, but when I really grasp it, and I'm like, Lord, let it stay, but when I can really hold on to it, it changes my entire perspective about my current situation. And nothing is really that stressful in that with that mindset. Yeah. I have to remind myself, too, just about every day. Yeah. Yeah. And, Daniel, I, I wanted to ask you, I know things are getting down to the wire a bit here. And I wondered if, if we had a moment or if you feel this is the appropriate time maybe to – for Rob to kind of mention the um, Human Spirit Seminar you guys are doing um, in January, and because this is open to the general public, folks, and so if you are not on our mailing list, everyone who is on our mailing list is going to get an invitation to this seminar that um, Dr. Ruckert is doing. Is it Saturday the 21st or Saturday the 23rd, whatever that Saturday is? Let me see here. It is the uh, 21st. So. On Saturday, the 21st, um, is going to be an all-day seminar on the human spirit, and Rob has an incredible revelation on that, and Daniel does as well. And then Sunday is going to be a Q&A where you just 
get to ask questions about it. So if you are not on the Bride Ministries mailing list, you will not receive an invitation and you will not be able to sign up. And we want you to be able to sign up. So if that interests you, um, please contact us and request that. And I'll make sure that you receive an invitation. Yeah, thanks for that commercial, Nikki. Yes. <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth, Nikki. Uh, right. Oh, okay, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, folks, we're going to be doing a conference in January. And uh, just like Nikki said, it, it's going to be, I want to call it Mysteries of the Human Spirit. And we're going to be doing teaching all day Saturday. It's actually eight hours of straight teaching on this subject. And we're, we're going to go from the basics to some very, very high level, you could call it, a more advanced type of stuff. And uh, it's going to build. And you're going to walk away from that with more than you expect. And uh, you'll be able to sign up for either just Saturday or Saturday and Sunday. And so we're making that two mm-hmm. different prices. There, there, there will be a less expensive way to sign up for the conference, which is going to be a Saturday only. Or you can purchase a full conference and then that will allow you to participate in what I think is going to be the coolest part of the conference, which is to get all this teaching and digest it overnight and then come back the next day with a million and one questions and Rob and myself, we're going to sit there and there'll be lots of other people in our internet webinar and we're, we're going to let you guys drill us with question after question after question. There's actually not going to be any teaching on Sunday. So it's going to be like just a group discussion, a lot of questions. Here's the deal. There's only 95 seats available and that's due to the limitations of our web conferencing software we'll be using. So when they're gone, they're gone. And um, I'm telling you what, you are not going to want to miss this particular conference. And again, like Nikki said, it will be uh, going out to everyone that's on our email list. And and you can always sign up for our email list at bridemovement.com or thefireplacechurch.org. It's all Bride Ministries. It all goes to the same place. And folks, with that said, I'm going to just go ahead and take this opportunity to say we are out of time. This is the end of the program, but I hope you enjoyed the mailbag. And we do plan to do more of these in the future because we get so many questions. And like Nikki said, I mean, she can't answer all the questions. I don't have time to answer all the questions, but this is a great way to get questions answered and um, or not. You know, who knows what we're going to really say on some of this stuff that our knowledge has a, has a limit. So with that said, folks, until next time. God bless and Godspeed. Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall is the premier radio program designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program has been a production of Bride Ministries. You can find us at www.bridemovement.com At our website, you can contact us, access resources, and support us with donations. We need partners in order to continue to produce our vision, which is to promote unity in the body of Christ worldwide and assist in the creation and development of sheep nations. Partner with us and be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed.